Good afternoon and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll talk about fall tillage with Marla Rickman. And up first in today's country comment, Jean Picard with Manitoba Agriculture will stop by to recap the weekly crop report. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us today is Rajan Picard with Manitoba Agriculture to recap the weekly crop report. Things have come along pretty good. You know, we've had a bit of rain earlier, somewhat uh, closer to the beginning of harvest. But in the last uh, week, 10 days, it's been pretty good here with, with harvest. So most cereals actually... All cereals are pretty well done. Uh, most of the canola is also done, and flax is getting close to the end as well. And now farmers are getting into the soybeans, which has been, I think, maybe 10-15% of the soybean is considered to be harvested right now. So that's uh, progressed quite nicely. Yeah, I guess talk a little bit about that soybean harvest. Some farmers seeing some regrowth on, on some fields. Yes, again, because of the late season moisture, I mean, the crops was under quite a bit of stress, obviously, during the season with the, the lack of moisture. And uh, uh, when we uh, regain some moisture, sometimes the plants will kind of recover somewhat and start to regrow. So there's some uh, green spots found. Not that it's really hurting the, the harvest that much, not at least in terms of the, the seed quality. Uh, you know, there's still some mature seeds on there, but it's uh, it might be... Uh, yeah, it might be some green spots there, but really not affecting the harvest too too significantly, at least. Chatting with um, Dennis Lang earlier in the week, but um, you know, what kind of yields are we seeing uh, seeing here towards the end of the week here? Uh, last I heard, well, Dennis, I was talking to Dennis as well. He's telling me uh, surprisingly in the forty bushel range uh, in the southeast portion of the province. In the mid-central portion where the drought was the most significant this year, it's more like in the 10, 15 bushel range. So it it varies quite a bit. So, uh, But, yeah, it, it'll be the, the yield overall will likely be driven by the, the moisture conditions we've had during the season. For canola and, and cereals, um, yields were quite variable there as well? or It varied quite a bit. Again, cereals uh, a little bit better than expected, I think, from what growers had in in, in mind, at least for when they got into the harvest, uh, cereals, you know, planted very early in the spring, took advantage of the, the whatever moisture there was at the start and were able to mature relatively early. So uh, wheat uh, varies anyway from 20 and the, the worst of the region to probably 80. In my neck of the woods, I've heard the yield as that good. So it varies quite a bit. Uh, the canola, I think, probably varied the most, probably suffered the most from the started the season with a lot of reseeding and uh, reseeding later also probably didn't help for that crop. So, uh, uh, again, it varies quite a bit, but uh, probably a little bit lower than uh, one would expect normally, I guess, for canola, I would say. How far away are we from the uh, the corn and sunflower harvest? Actually, I heard this week there was some corn being uh, harvested <clears throat> for seeds, so I, I don't know what the moisture was, but that's only the one. Most of it still to come. Uh, quite a bit of it is probably getting into that uh, black layer when the plant is, the seed is mature and it was, it's going to start to dry down. So uh, it's probably in the next couple of weeks, I'm thinking it might it might start there, depending on how aggressive uh, some of the growers might want to be and, and whatever the weather conditions will be too. You know, frost will help to terminate some of those plants and dry them down. But we can already see in the fields that, uh, that those uh, 
matured fields are changing color quite rapidly too now. Winter wheat, has that been seeded yet? Yes, there's been some. Uh, I understand that seed supplies were limiting this year for for planting, although conditions were, I would say, very good with the, the, the later season moisture. Um, but uh, again, it's, you know, over the last number of years, when the wheat acres have gone down for a variety of reasons, uh, fall rye seems to be more because of a price offering that maybe not as attractive as as uh, winter wheat, for instance. So seed supplies shouldn't be an issue there. But uh, yeah, and actually, some of the fields that I've seen emerge look very good to start because again, good moisture uh, for for planting this fall for sure. Tillage, uh, what's happening there? Again, uh, good good uh, topsoil moisture conditions, ideal pretty much for for some tillage. So uh, uh, I hear from growers that it's been going very well. You know, depending on what the moisture conditions uh, growers have in their own uh, neighborhood, may uh, may uh, you know they'll they'll till or maybe strategically leave some fields with standing stubble to potentially retain more moisture for next spring. So uh, that that'll vary. But I think for the next next few weeks, it should continue to progress. That was Rajan Picard with Manitoba Agriculture recapping the weekly crop report. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon. I'm Corey Canute. Manitoba Agricultural Services Corporation is starting to see drought claims trickle in. Chief Product Officer David Van Dines was asked about claim numbers. It's much too soon for that. and Most of our claims come in the form of what we call post-harvest claims, and, and we ask our clients to report their their harvested yields uh, by November 30th at the latest. So we're starting to get some of those trickle in as producers are, you know, finishing up harvesting certain crops and that kind of thing. They're certainly letting us know. But, you know, we don't have a great prediction at this point in terms of the entire year. We certainly know it's going to be, you know, significant and, and more significant than we've had for a number of years, but a little bit too early to, to us to, for us to peg an actual number at it. Farmers are busy making decisions about fall tillage. Marla Rickman is a land management specialist with Manitoba Agriculture. I have been hearing of some people holding off, yeah. And similarly to last year, there were some people who were holding off a little bit on tillage. It's always a bit of a tricky one because quite often we get into that mindset that we need to till thinking about what next spring is going to bring, right? In terms of how much moisture there's going to be. And if it's wet in the spring, are we going to be, you know, upset that we didn't get the tillage done this fall? But that is always one of the tricky things because we can't really predict what that weather is going to look like. And one of Saskatchewan's main farm groups hopes the new Liberal minority government will get cracking on legislation to help the agriculture sector. Todd Lewis of the Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan says two private members' bills that died in the Senate when the election was called should be resurrected. They include a bill regarding farm trespassing as well as legislation that would create an exemption in the carbon tax for fuels used in grain drying. Lewis says producers would also like to see action on improving rural cell and internet connectivity. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Thursday, September 23rd. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from the president of the Canadian Cattlemen's Association. The United Nations Food Systems Summit is taking place today. President of the Canadian Cattlemen's Association, Bob Lowe, joins us to talk about the group's involvement. We started out, uh, well, the Canadian Cattlemen's Association along with the Nature Conservancy, started out hosting way last spring some food system dialogues where 
where we got together with with everybody in the in the value chain, discussing how to move forward. You know, in a climate smart, I guess might be a word to a way to use it. The way the way to feed the world in a realistic uh, fashion. You know, it's the UN started out with a very anti animal agriculture lean to it. So we basically organized the animal agriculture from around the world uh, into saying, you know, you need a balance of everything. We, we, need, we need plants to, to feed the world in a sustainable, healthy manner. We need animals as well as plants. We need the whole thing. So we, we've got this together along with, I, I mean, we had the uh, CFA hosted a dialogue, which basically they said the same thing, that we need all, all, all forms of food. We can't leave one out. It's just, it's not good for anything. Uh, we had Canada Grains Council was on board. So when it comes to the UN, and I'm not sure if we actually get a chance to present as Canadian agriculture, but we have given them a presentation signed by virtually every every commodity group in Canada, and that's that's basically all all of agriculture in Canada has got together and saying we're doing this. We are an answer to climate change. We're a solution to the problem. We are not the problem, and you can't paint the whole world with one brush. You know our job is to take our knowledge and move it around the world to, to make everybody else better. I wanted to also um, just get your thoughts, I guess, on the on the election. Any any thoughts on, uh, I guess, working with another uh, minority liberal government? Um, we'll just wait and see. I mean, we'll work with any government. We've had a good relationship with Minister Bebo in the last in the last government. And, you know, it's my hope that she stays on as Minister of Agriculture. It's it's onward and upward. I talked to her this morning and congratulated her and just told her the job's not finished and she agreed with me. So that was Bob Lowe, president of the Canadian Cattlemen's Association. A recently published research project found that canola meal improves the environmental footprint of milk production, reducing methane emissions and nitrogen losses, along with a boost in milk production. The report was published in the September 2021 issue of Journal of Dairy Science. Brittany Dick is with the Canola Council of Canada. As part of um, the Canola Council of Canada and support through our provincial canola commission, we are just always looking at better understanding canola. And so that includes, of course, agronomy, but also the end products um, like canola meal. So we're always trying to just better understand canola meal and, and how it works in livestock rations. Uh, dairy cattle specifically are the main species that are consuming canola meal, where we know that uh, there are advantages to using canola meal. So the research that we've um, that has been published recently by Dr. Shoki Benchar out of Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada in Sherbrooke, Quebec, um, took some of the research that we have to date and, and kind of expanded it, thought beyond just what happens to production in the cow. So we've long known um, that when you feed canola meal to dairy cows, that, that very regularly, consistently, you get more milk. 
more milk production, high quality milk production. So the question that the researcher asked here was, well, like, let's dig into this a little bit more and, and what happens to some of the efficiencies within the cow and specifically um, the methane emissions uh, that are uh, emitted from the cow through their, their burping. Uh, so we know methane is a greenhouse gas and we know that, of course, there's just a global discussion about um, reducing greenhouse gas emissions. And so this was a really interesting uh, kind of concept to think about. And so when the researcher went through, looked at different levels of canola meal included in the diet and found that as canola meal inclusion increased to, I would say, a pretty significant amount, milk production improved as we would have expected and the amount of methane emitted from the cows decreased. So what this really signals is that, um, well, methane is, an energy loss to the cow. So if more or less methane is, is emitted, then the cow gets to keep that energy and really use it for production. So some really neat findings. How many farmers are using uh, canola meal in, in, in their diets at this point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we know canola meal inclusion in Canada in dairy diets is pretty good. Um, we've actually seen here over the last few years more canola meal staying in Canada Uh, So that means that more farms are using, including canola meal. Um, And the other kind of part of the story is that Canada exports a large amount of canola meal, um, specifically to the United States, where the dairy industry is is the main buyer. Uh, So in California, where we have really significant exports, um, we see canola meal really used in all dairies, like it's it's so universal. It's such a commonly used ingredient um, and really just widespread adoption. Uh, one of the takeaways here, um, you were talking about the percentages here and, um, you know, almost uh, 24% in, in one of the diets, uh, 24% canola meal. Um, is that, as far as testing, I mean, is that a number that's that's been getting higher or as far as yeah. the percentage? Yeah, so that, that is kind of a standout, I would say, for sure in this research. We don't often see, I mean, we never see levels that high really in our research studies, but we, um, I wouldn't say we really see them in practical inclusion either because you're you're balancing a lot of different things, um, availability, pricing. There's, there's just a lot of factors that go into making a diet. Um, but what I think is neat is that uh, sometimes we still have this mentality that you have to limit the amount of a certain ingredient or limit canola meal inclusion um, to a certain set percentage. And I think what the research is just really demonstrating is that that's, that's really not the case. It's about formulating diets that are economical and are meeting the needs of the cow um, and that focusing on a really specific number uh, or limiting inclusion is just um, not necessary when it comes to canola meal for dairy diets. That was Brittany Dick, Senior Manager of Canola Utilization with the Canola Council of Canada. She was talking to us about a new report that looks at canola meal and how it improves the environmental footprint of milk production and boosts milk production as well. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to farmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network.
Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association is holding an introduction to holistic management Mondays beginning October 4th and running until November 8th. The online sessions will be held from 6 to 7 p.m. Registration is required. Egg in Motion is presenting a post-harvest information session October 20th. Topics include storing grain options, winter equipment decisions, and more. Visit the Egg in Motion website to register. And Keystone Egg Producers Fall Advisory Council meeting takes place October 20th on Zoom starting at 9 a.m. You can go to their website to register. The deadline to submit resolutions is October 12th. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Thursday afternoon, joining us now is Marla Rickman with Manitoba Agriculture to talk about fall tillage. I have been hearing of some people holding off, yeah, and similarly to last year, there were some people who were holding off a little bit on tillage. It's always a bit of a tricky one because quite often we get into that mindset that we need to till thinking about what next spring is going to bring, right? in terms of how much moisture there's going to be. And if it's wet in the spring, are we going to be you know, upset that we didn't get the tillage done this fall? But that is always one of the tricky things because we can't really predict what that weather is going to look like. What is the uh, soil moisture conditions? What are they like right now? So right now we're still seeing things look pretty dry. Um, not necessarily across the western side of the province. There's been a, a little bit more uh, moisture there. And so soil moisture is not quite as dry as we are seeing in the Red River Valley. And in our valley soils where we've got, you know, drier conditions at the surface and on those heavier clay soils, part of the problem with tilling them when they are dry is that we end up seeing these like really big clods and clumps come up. And then that's not a great seedbed for next year either, which inspires us to do more tillage to try to break that down. And so um, if there is an opportunity for people to think about holding off on tillage, especially in some of the, the heavier clays or those drier areas, that might be the best time to be thinking about doing it this year. And with the, uh, some of these later rains that we got here, I've been hearing about a lot of uh, regrowth um, weeds and, and crops as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what, I guess, what's the, what's, what's the challenge there? Well, I, that is exactly one of those challenges where if we're trying to deal with some of those weeds, we might want to clean them up. Now, I am no weed specialist, but uh, if we're dealing with different like annual weeds that are coming up that aren't going to actually seed out uh, and they're going to get killed off through the winter, it might not be a big deal. If we're dealing with some of these biennial or perennial weeds that we want to deal with, then that's typically where we would want to be tilling in order to um, kind of kill those off or, or get rid of those. But in that case, if we're trying to decrease on tillage, maybe we want to think about herbicide passes instead to try to clean up those fields for next year. Again, it depends on the weed species that you're dealing with. Anything else that farmers should be thinking about at this time or... Well, I guess it's just, again, a little bit of that word of the warning as we've seen in the past years, too, when we're dealing with these dry fall conditions and we really don't know what winter and spring are going to bring in terms of moisture. Um, If we are, you know, going in and doing heavy tillage and really bashing things down with uh, trying to create that beautiful seed bed right now, uh, we have been seeing those issues in the spring where the soil is blowing because there really isn't any protection of it because it gets quite pulverized. And so just keeping those things in mind when we make these decisions that we don't have control over the weather, but we do know that the risk is high for that wind erosion to be happening if we are over-tilling the soils in the fall and, and really setting themselves up. So if you can think about decreasing your tillage, this is one of those years that's probably a good thing to do so. That was Marla Rickman, Soil Specialist with Manitoba Agriculture. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Some farmers are holding off on fall tillage in an effort to preserve soil moisture. Marla Rickman is a land management specialist with Manitoba Agriculture. 
So right now we're still seeing things look pretty dry. Um, not necessarily across the western side of the province. There's been a, a little bit more uh, moisture there, and so soil moisture is not quite as dry as we are seeing in the Red River Valley. And in our valley soils where we've got, you know, drier conditions at the surface and on those heavier clay soils, part of the problem with tilling them when they are dry is that we end up seeing these like really big clods and clumps come up. And then that's not a great seedbed for next year either, which inspires us to do more tillage to try to break that down. And so if there is an opportunity for people to think about holding off on tillage, especially in some of the, the heavier clays or those drier areas, that might be the best time to be thinking about doing it this year. And farmers are starting to file drought claims. David Van Dynes is Chief Product Officer with Manitoba Agricultural Services Corporation. You know, you get into that inner lake region, that's certainly, uh, I think, the, the hardest hit, and that's been in the, in the media a lot, and there's no doubt we're seeing the same thing on our end. And there's some pockets, uh, you know, south and west of Winnipeg as well, that was, was harder hit to, too, so they're struggling there. Uh, so, and then from there, it, it's a lot smaller areas, I would say, uh, you know, a little bit of hit and miss throughout the west as well. Uh, but some areas in the west, you know, managed to get the, some timely rain, so aren't as bad. But from a regional perspective, it's certainly the, the inner lake in that sort of Starbucks kind of country that seems to have uh, taken on, uh, you know, some pretty big hit from the, from the drought this year. So, I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email the farm desk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll talk about drought claims with Manitoba Agricultural Services Corporation. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.